Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live in a new season. And if you're like me and Mary Fran, in a new year. We always look at the fall as the kickoff to the year, I guess, raising kids, going to school for eight gajillion years, being teachers, all of the things. And I just love fall. I was actually just at the farm asking where the pumpkins are. I'm a little, I'm a little (laughs) over anticipating fall. They were like, give it a few weeks, Kristen, give it a few weeks, but we are in a new season and here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, where me and Mary Fran are recording from and live. It is a glorious season in our town to be here in fall. So we are excited. And we wanted to kick off this season with this topic of how do some people just, no matter what happens, they can, they might get stung for a second, but they can, as you say, bounce back, right? They just seem to do that quicker. And others of us stay stuck and can't figure out. And then we got to go through, read all the books again and go through all the (laughs) podcasts again. And we're like, why are we here again? So we're going to dive into that today on a little short episode to kick off your year. Well, yeah, we are, um, your, your reference to being stung is very appropriate because this is also the season of yellow jackets in, in, in the fall around here and they're everywhere. But that also is, um, it's kind of a metaphor for how a lot of times we just have these little pests swirling around us. And occasionally, like you said, you get stung, but there are some people who seem to be able to, and you know, I love this word pivot because it's like that sports analogy kind of thing. But, you know, we came up with not too long ago, a, um, a kind of a phrase that, that really I think um, coalesces all of these ideas of how you can move on. You know, we're always told to plan. You have to have a plan. You have to have goals. I think the unfortunate thing about that sometimes, though, is that we get fixated on those things. The consequence of which is we don't allow for evolution, either evolutions we plan or things that just kind of come at us. And the consequence is we can't make a shift because we're still like homing in on that idea of that thing we have to accomplish. But when life doesn't go that way, we have a phrase for you. (laughs) Yeah. What we realize is a formula for getting unstuck quicker is to stop focusing on what should be. I should be married and celebrating my 50th wedding anniversary. My kids should be excelling at school and not having any problems. Stop focusing on what should be and it allows space for what 
could be. Now, I have been talking about this inadvertently all summer long. I wasn't even realizing that this is how I've gotten unstuck because I did a ton of speaking this summer in the blind community. because there's a lot of conferences and stuff. And everyone says to me, wow, you went from sobbing on the couch, not knowing anything about blindness, pounding your fist in your head against the wall to, oh my gosh, my boys have blown all of the statistics out of the water. And I, and I said to people, because I kept saying to myself, they should be able to do athletics. They should be able to go to regular school. I had a plan. I had a plan. This isn't what was supposed to happen. And as soon as I stopped saying that, when I realized I wasn't going to change it, it was not changing. Blindness wasn't going anywhere 22 years ago. And when I finally just stopped thinking about how my life should be, I've said to everybody, oh my God, thank God I stopped looking at what should be because what could be, what did be, <laughs> what did be, <laughs> what did be. I'm sure that's I, not grammatically correct, but it certainly captured the sentiment. What did be? It's a new hashtag. What did be? I'll tell you what did be. <laughs> They've blown every, everything I thought should be was so limiting. I, I, I now tell parents, don't you dare put your dreams on your kids because <laughs> all the could be is unbelievable, but it doesn't feel like that in the moment. Yeah. And, and I have to say, and we talk about this when we speak to groups that your, your experience with the could be ended up being amazing because your kids just, the things that they could be in terms of when, when they were able to take charge of their own lives and you gave them those tools, they just blossomed. In my case, it was somewhat different. I looked at my life when, when David was having his struggles and same thing, my kids shouldn't be doing this. My kids should be excelling at school. He's been given every advantage. He should be, he should be on top of the world when in fact, I wasn't looking at the could be. And the could be in my case was that he was really struggling and in fact had addiction substance abuse issues. So in my case, it became a let go of all of your golden dreams and recognize that you have a problem that mm. you have to deal with. If you, if you, and that's when I always talk about the whole getting stuck in distraction and denial. When we hang on to the way things should be and they're not, we very often allow ourselves to be distracted by other things so we don't have to look at the problem and we deny the problem, which just keeps us stuck. You have to tell yourself the truth. You have to look at the could be possibility that something's wrong and you have to yeah. deal with it. And, yeah. and that was my part of that, you know, my, my relationship with that terminology. You know, I was listening to um, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, and it's um, Jason, I'm going to mess up his last name. I believe you say it Pfeiffer, but um, he was talking to Lewis Howes about this exact concept, and he says, he uses the words loss and gain. We stay stuck, and his, his you know, should be, you're, you're focusing on the loss. I should be married because I planned that. You know, I should be higher in my position in the company because I've been here longer. All those should be, you're looking at the loss, what you're losing or what you perceive to be losing opportunity, money, whatever, instead of looking at the gain, even the possible gain, you know, now it might be extremely hard to think, wow, how do you look at two diagnoses of blindness standing in front of you at these two little babies and think, how could there be a gain? 
if I could find a gain in two blind kids, you can find a gain anywhere because, and, and I will say this too, this did take me 20 years to figure out. And I still have to flip my switch in my head. When I think about when Michael moved to Orlando, when I was on that, that train back, I started to spiral in the, oh my God, is he really going to be able to do this? He can't see, he can't see. And I kept, I was back in that loss. And then I thought, you know what? But because he can't see, he really has a read on people where I don't, he, he knows who he can trust and not trust. And I went through all the gains. I made a list, all the gains that he has because, and then I was like, oh my God, I can do, I'm doing it again. It's like, it's like 25 gajillion pounds go right off my shoulders because I focus on the gain and I'm doing it in every situation now. Make yeah. a list of the gain. You do have to make a list of it, but you, you know, there's a point that I want to come back to that you mentioned that it took you 20 years to get to a certain mm -hmm. point. This is, as everything is that we talk about, this is a process. This is something that yeah. you have to ingrain in yourself over and over and over again. And then, you know, to go back to my experience, there's no real gain in, in addiction. However, never losing sight of the fact that you want some things for your kids you want, or you want goals, or you want to achieve or whatever, you might have to let these specifics and the particulars of it go. But in, in my case, then it became a matter of, all right, we have to work through this to get to whatever the gain is going to be. Mm -hmm. And for us, I mean, Dave and Dave jokes about it. I mean, now in hindsight, we can, we can chuckle, but at the time it certainly was nothing to laugh about, but my son has done extraordinary work with people. And I've been able to do extraordinary work with people who have had substance and addiction issues and all of that. But you have to, once again, face the problem, work your way through it. And, and with the benefit of hindsight, when you get that pullback time, as you said, you pull back and you look at all of the gains that you've gotten up to this point. Mm -hmm. And, and then you, you build on that. So that becomes the kind of thing, you know, the gain might not be immediately visible to you. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. You can't always see it, yeah. but you have to trust and know that if you work through the challenge, there is a gain on the other side. It's there. And as you said, the challenge isn't going away. So you might as well work through it and see what the gain's going to be on the other side. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I did not sit around for 20 years. You right. Know, once I, once right. the switch was flipped in my miracle moment and I saw, I stopped focusing on the loss and was open to mm -hmm. not even, I wasn't even thinking gain. I was thinking survival. I just said in an interview last week with somebody, people say to me, wow, you know, you're a really great mom. And I guess blindness, you know, the impact is you became a, a, a great mom. And I said, no, blindness made me a mom. And I was joking that if that hadn't happened, I was on track to be my children's cruise director. I was going to <laughs> plan everything, get all their clothes lined up, all their goals, tell them what their goals were. I mean, I legit was going to be that cruise director mom. And, and I had wanted to be a great mom my whole life. And it was, it wasn't necessarily blindness. It was the sucker punch to my plans that blindness gifted me with. And sitting in that loss or perceived loss for a while that I realized, whoa, being a mom is not being the cruise director. It's looking at your kid, figuring out what they need, 
and being their guide and letting them be the hero. It, yeah. it did that shift for me. It gave me the gain back in, in, you know, 22 years ago. That was the gain that I got instantaneously. Did I notice it right away? No, I was, Ooh, I was just, you know, blow drying my hair trying to make it through every day. <laughs> but to, yes, to your point, it, 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 there are gains that are happening and you probably aren't going to notice them yeah. or it won't feel like it. But if you right. can, if you look at this through the brilliantly resilient lens, as opposed to the lens that you've been using, when you look through the brilliantly resilient lens, you see it, even if it's a little slight window opening, the opportunity for a gain in a, in a, and some of them are horrible messes, but mm. there are, there is an opportunity in there for something. Yeah. And we, we have to, we have to let go. What we think the gains should be mm-hmm. again, coming back to that phrase and allow for what the gains could be. And the gains could be in areas that we never thought of, never expected, never even wanted. I mean, quite frankly, but when you, when, when you have challenges, we say this too all the time, it takes you back to a baseline. It takes you back to your most basic self about who you are, where you think you're going, all of those things change when you have those kinds of challenges. And that is the moment when you make that decision. You say, you know, first of all, I'm not, I'm just visiting this. This will change in some way. And I am going to let go because you really don't have a choice. You have to let go of what should be because clearly something has happened to change that. So, but if you make that conscious decision and then you start to act with intention towards, okay, I'm here. I have to figure out how to, I don't want to say make the best of a bad situation because that's just a ridiculous. I mean, if it sucks, it sucks, you know, Mm -hmm. but you have to figure out how to productively move forward. Even if you don't know where forward is going to end up, you don't want to stay in that place, in that pit, as you've called it eloquently many times in the pit. So you have to make those decisions. And once you do, it's like a, a switch flips in your brain. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, the brain goes, all right, we're not sitting here anymore. We've shifted. We're going here. And you start to subconsciously, it percolates and makes those, those choices available to you that you probably wouldn't even have seen had you stayed in that other place mentally. Yeah. And I think that it, it um, bears mentioning that if, if, if you're listening to this right now and it is a massive blow, a massive blow, it's going to be extraordinarily hard to look through any other lens than loss. And that is when you really just, you need to raise your hand and find somebody that you can talk to and unload and help unpack and help get out of the, you know, make that action step to be just visiting. But there are times when, when, especially if it's a health crisis, you know, a death in the family, if it's something big like that, grab a hold of somebody else's hand and have them help you through it. Yeah. And, and give yourself the grace to just get through it. That whole idea of being that 15 minute master. I mean, that came up for us when we were trying to get through addiction. I mean, that is, that, that road is, is, is endless from what you can see, at least at the beginning of it. And, and, and you just have no frame of reference. I mean, if you, you don't know you're plunged into this place. So allow yourself the grace to just survive. Sometimes that's the best that you get. 
But if you allow yourself that grace and do that 15 minute bit before you know it, time will have passed and you'll be at that 15 minutes, then 15 hours, then 15 days mark. And you'll be able to to make decisions once the dust starts to settle a bit. And it will because time moves on, you know, and things things resolve in one way or another. They resolve. So, um yeah, allow yourself that that moment and and find a hand, as you said. I mean, you and I, <laughs> you and I, over the last years, have spent how many times pulling each other back from from the ledge? You know, it's yeah. one or the other of us is having a moment, and it's like, okay, just grab on. We're gonna get back on solid ground again, and then we move forward. And we've come off the stage at speeches, and there's people that are on the ledge and come up, and we have to pull them back. I mean, it, yeah. it is a human thing. Some things are just too hard in the beginning, in the moment, you got to grab somebody's hand and, and that's the way to, and then you can blame them if you don't feel better. (laughs) (laughs) I I did want to say this because this came up three times recently in different situations. I heard people say the same thing way back when my, when the switch did start to flip for me, I realize now that there were some moments before the big miracle moment that flipped the switch that was, that were priming me for the big moment. And one of them was when I went into the the conference for parents raising blind kids, which I was scared to death to be in that conference. And there was a mom whose son was 22 and speaking on stage and he was hilarious. So she hosted a little, you know, at questions and answers about raising blind kids. And people were asking questions about when should I start Braille? And when should they have a cane? Like, you know, questions towards thriving. And then there was me still like, you know, I had waterproof mascara and all kinds of stuff. I was still crying. And my question for her was, when did you stop crying every day? It's all I wanted to know at that point. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I just was crying every day. And I couldn't see a way out of that. And she said to me, she got laser focused on me across the room. And she said, oh, I was there too. And she goes, I don't know when it's going to happen for you, but there's going to be a day where at the end of the day, you're going to go, I didn't shed one tear today. And she said, and then a little while later, you're going to have two days in a row and then three. And she said, all of a sudden you'll have a week and then a month. She said it, but everybody's journey is different, but it is going to happen. And I thought, thank God I met her that day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that moment of connecting with another person whom you might never see again, that can be as profound as, you know, as talking to your bestie or talking to somebody, you know, really close to you. And sometimes those are the people that can even affect us more because mm-hmm. they come at it with a different perspective. We talk about the lenses that you look at things through all the time here and somebody seek out people who are are experiencing the things that you are experiencing or who have experienced them and ask them questions because i can tell you as someone who's been through things as, as as you we believe when you are through something like that you believe that it's your mission to share that story mm-hmm. because you don't ever want to see another person feel the way you felt so don't hesitate to reach out to someone that you may not know well, but who I can assure you will have the heart to want to help you and, and help you move through those things that, you know, just, you just think to yourself, how am I going to get up? How am I going to get up? And you will, you'll get up. Yeah. You'll get up. 
and everybody's journey is different. So don't be beating yourself up that some, you know, your next door neighbor is doing cartwheels out in the backyard (laughs) and she's single too for 957,000 years, whatever. (laughs) Everybody's journey is different. (laughs) Find a little slingshot and just poke her in the butt because she probably just needs it. Oh, this has been a good one. Listen, you know, I'm thinking about all of our, our listeners, especially the ones that we hear from and are active in our community. And, and um, I'm sure that there's a lot of heads nodding about this, focusing on what could be instead of staying stuck in what should be. Do me a favor, do yourself and your friends a favor and share this in your social media platforms, share this in, in um, you know, if you're in uh, groups on Facebook and Instagram and whatnot, there are people in your tribe that need this one little brilliance bit this week about stop focusing on the loss and start looking for the gains. So share it with somebody. Yep. And keep tuned for this season. We got some really cool people that we are bringing you where we seem to be up to a lot of stuff all the time. And it's all good because we get to share this idea of being brilliantly resilient, which Kristen and I have just totally embraced as the, as the best way we have found to move forward in literally every situation, you know, professionally, personally, whatever. So tune in as we move forward in this new season and hear more about looking through the brilliantly resilient lens. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the brilliantly resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise and reveal your brilliance.